Amen. Well, good morning. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. I am thankful again to be here, thankful that you are here, that you are with us. Looking forward to getting back into our study through the epistles of John. Again, we are uh, in 1 John. We are in 1 John chapter 4 uh, this morning, only covering the first six verses of 1 John 4, but uh, some verses that I think we need to pay careful attention to. So this is our series called Abiding Light. Again, we are looking into John's letter to the local church and the call or the meaning of abiding or remaining in Jesus Christ. Now, as we have already seen, this message of remaining in Christ was not only true for John's day, but really now more than ever is more and more imperative for us as we continue to see our society further nosedive itself into secularism. So this morning, we are going to read John's call to avoid false teachers and recognize teaching that preaches the word and preaches that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. So do me a favor and pay careful attention to the words this morning. In fact, I would encourage you to to do what many don't do in service is don't tune the pastor out at this point, okay? This is not the time to get on your phone and make your grocery list for this afternoon, okay? Don't do that. Um, This is not the time to wonder uh, what the starting lineup is for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are gonna be fine whoever they put on the ice. Don't worry about that. Okay, this is not the time to look at your pastor and say, oh yeah, he's a Falcons fan, we should go ahead and harass him even though there's 90 days until football season. Don't do that. I understand how bad we are. Okay, let's take a moment and just actively listen to the word of God and see what it is that the word of God has for us. Now, many of you may be thinking this morning that clearly as believers in Christ, we obviously want to sit under preaching of the word of God. That's the reason why we're here. We don't want to sit under anything else. So for us this morning, this may very well be a non-issue. However, I want to encourage you and remind you that don't for a moment let your guard down because we are living in a day and living in a time where false teachers will come across as teaching that which is true and well-meaning Christians will ultimately follow them blindly without taking a moment to first test the teaching, and so that is going to be our focus this morning. You see, we're now living in a time where people will ultimately read one side of a story or watch a story or listen to one side of the story, and then they will believe the very first thing that they are hearing about our current news and our current events without fully considering the story and considering that every story has two sides. You see, I remember when this particular moment came to light for me. You see, I was in my second year at the University of Georgia in my communications degree, and I was sitting in a class with a professor who on the first day of a research and statistics class gave us a research quiz. Now, many of you may be familiar with what it is that my professor did this morning, but here is what happened to us that day. You see, he gave us a sheet of paper, and on that sheet of paper were 30 steps that we were to follow. And he told us, before we do anything, read all 30 steps and follow them carefully. Now I began to read, and here was step one. Read all the steps before you begin. Sounds familiar, right? So I did that very thing. And as I am reading, I noticed that the people around me were reading, and ultimately they started moving around the room doing things that apparently... Uh, the steps told them to do. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that one of the steps asked the students in the class 
to stand up in their chair and cluck like a chicken. And so you can imagine what it looked like as a second-year student watching all these juniors and seniors do that very thing. But I just continued to read, and then all of a sudden I got down to step 30, and here's what step 30 said. It said, if you get here and you have now read all the steps, sign your name at the top, turn in this sheet of paper, and walk out without following steps 2 through 29. Now, I did what the sheet of paper said to do. I signed my name at the top right corner. I walked up and handed my sheet to the professor. He smiled at me, and I walked out. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you what seemed like eternity for me waiting out in this class turned into really what was a matter of five minutes. And in five minutes, I was joined by another classmate. Two minutes after that, we were joined by two more. And there was all this commotion in the class. And I can't tell you what was going on, but I can tell you for a brief moment on North Campus at the University of Georgia, the communications building had turned into a zoo with the amount of noises coming from our class. When the class finally got quiet, our professor came out and grabbed the four of us who were out there and walked us back inside. And he sat the whole class down. And he said to us, particularly us four, he said, congratulations. I want to tell you that you four who actually read all the steps and all the instructions, you did exactly what you were told to do. And because of that, you are now exempt from the final. Which, oh, by the way, the final was 60% of our grade. I want to go ahead and tell you that class attendance no longer mattered to me at that point. I knew no matter what, if I didn't show up for another day, I was still getting a B or at least a C at best. If I showed up for at least five classes or ten classes, I'm getting an A. And by this point, a D is for degree at this point for me. Now, for the rest of our class, they had to be there in attendance. They would ultimately have to take the final. But what really struck me was this. A class of 40 students and only four of us followed the instructions, and read every step. You see, our professor's point was very simple. It was to make sure that we read all the instructions. And when you're doing research, make sure that you consider all the possible angles. Make sure you consider every possible outcome or scenario. Make sure you consider every possible angle that could come your way in order, in his own words, to test what it is that you are hearing, to test what it is that you are seeing, and yes, for this class, to test what it is that you are researching. And so this lesson has stuck with me ever since my second year of college. You see, there are always more sides to an issue than the one that we are simply seeing and hearing. And as we're going to see in John's text this morning, even when it comes to what is being taught in the church, we as believers in Christ need to be active listeners as we hear the teaching of the Word of God and thus test the teaching that we are now subject to. So at this moment, if I could encourage you, I would encourage you now to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin reading John's words in verse 1. We will read down to verse 6. And once you have found your place in the Bible, if you can and you're able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. And let's hear from John as he continues to write and to encourage and to challenge the local church. Again, this is 1 John, beginning in chapter 4, verse 1. John writes, Beloved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you again for this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to to just spend the next few moments in your word. Father, I pray that whatever may be on our heart, whatever may be on our mind this morning, whatever distractions that we may have, whatever, uh, whatever circumstances that may be coming our way this week, whether we're here today excited to hear from your truth or whether we're here today and we're just exhausted from what's already been a long week, Father, I pray that in these next few moments, help us to tune our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears to your word. God, help us to hear your truth and not just to simply listen and hear it, but to be active listeners today. So, Father, we pray that as we continue to worship you through the the study and the proclamation of your word, Father, we pray that you and you alone would be glorified in these next few moments. Now, Father, speak to us as we seek to glorify you through the study of your word. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, if we could just go ahead and set the scene for a moment, and if we could truly be honest with one another, I think it's safe to say that calling out false teachers is is a topic that's neither fun nor is it popular. In fact, it's not fun nor popular for us to do as individuals, but it is something that we must be willing to do because it's both biblical and necessary for the health of the church. And sadly, as we see not only in John's day, but in our world today, false teachers are rampant and they are more dangerous than many of us may even realize. We may not even realize there are false teachers among us, but they are around us in churches almost around every corner. And so John this morning makes that abundantly clear in our passage as he steps into now comparing and contrasting true prophets versus false prophets and that which is taught in the spirit of God versus the teaching that are taught from the spirit of this world. You see, in John's day, similar to what we are now seeing today, this false teaching has now made its way into the local church. It has made its way into our pulpits. It has made its way into our worship. It has made its way into our small groups and our Sunday school classes, so much so that we don't even realize what it is that we're hearing is not of God. And so just as John has already stated to us back in 1 John chapter 1, the greatest threat to the local church will come from within the walls of the church. And so John, in our text this morning, will give the local church its own set of steps to follow in order to test the teaching. Now, before I get into this passage and before you make your own notes on this passage, when I say test the teaching, I'm not saying to us this morning that John is now giving us the license to attack and criticize and scrutinize uh, the leadership of our church over every single thing that they do. However, 
He is showing us how we can make sure that what it is that we are being taught and how it is that we are being led is done in a biblical way. You see, it's always interesting to me when we have these conversations with people in our church or when we have this conversation with people in other churches. You see, I'm not too far removed from sitting in a church that was not our own and I was listening and mediating over some frustrations and some heartaches that were happening in the church. And as I was sitting down and listening to this pastor and listening to their leaders and then listening to the congregation who was frustrated with what was happening in the local church, the one thing that stood out to me was the comment that kept being made over and over and over again from the congregation and it was this one well the way they are doing things is not how we've done them before and so when I heard this statement I asked them the following question it may not have been something that's been done before but my question for you is this is it biblical what they are doing their answer was yes but that doesn't matter. I don't know what could matter more for the local church than leading and worshiping and sharing the gospel in a manner that is biblical. Yes, it may look different. Yes, it may be different than what it was five years ago or seven years ago or 10 years ago or, or 15 or 20 years ago. But if the word of God is being proclaimed correctly and if the church is leading out according to the standard of God as issued by the word of God, then who are we to question? But what we're talking about this morning is what happens when all of a sudden we're led by false teachers? What happens when personal preference takes priority over the word? Again, we are not scrutinizing every little thing. However, when it comes to the church, we need to be active in what it is that we hear to make sure that how we are being led is according to the word of God. And so John gives us four simple steps to follow when testing the teaching this morning. He begins in verse one by giving a step one when he says, do not believe false teachers. You see, John opens this section again with a word of affection and a word for love for the church when he says, beloved. Now, we keep coming back to this phrase here in 1 John. So I hope by now we understand John's heart and John's love for the local church. At the same time, I hope we understand now that when John writes the word beloved, John is using this to begin both a new subject, but then to also remind the people that in the midst of the encouragement and the midst of the hard conversations in the midst of comparing and contrasting with that which is good and right versus that which is wrong, John is doing it all because of his love for the Lord, but also because of his love for the local church. And so John wants the local church, he wants these brothers and sisters whom he loves to understand that danger is lurking around every corner. You see, according to John, there are false teachers and spiritual deceivers all around who will work hard to earn our trust and then lie to us and attempt to lead us away from Jesus Christ and ultimately away from the word of God and therefore leading us away from the local church. And so John says in verse 1, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. 
Now, again, if you're paying attention to verse 1, I would want to highlight for you two words this morning. It's the word believe and the word test. You see, both of those words are actually written as imperatives that call for continuous action and vigilance. And so here is a call to put the teaching of the Word of God through rigorous examination to discover whether or not that teaching is authentic and whether or not that teaching aligns with the Word of God. Now, these same words are not only imperatives, but they are also written in the plural form, meaning that the responsibility of examining the message is one that falls on the church community as a whole. In other words, it's not up to just one individual to test and examine whether or not what is being taught and what is being done is being taught and done according to the word of God. It is up to all of us as believers in Christ who have covenanted together here in this place to examine what it is that is being taught and to examine how it is that we are being led. You see, as a body of believers... When people use the Word of God, or when people attempt to teach the Word of God in order to make their point, we need to closely listen and examine what it is that they are saying to us to make sure that this teaching truly aligns with the Word of God. I mean, it has been amazing to me, and you don't don't need to look any further than the past two weeks in our news. It has been amazing to me that not only as Southern Baptists, but also at a national level, it has been amazing to me how many secularists and how many atheists are now using the Word of God in order to prove their point. And they are using the Word of God in order to lead God's people astray. And so at this, it's at this point that as believers, we need to examine what we are being told. You see, here is the goal for us as believers. Our goal in examining the word, in testing the teaching, is to determine whether or not those teachings or teachers are from God according to his word. And so for the church today, it is essential for the health and the well-being of the church to have a healthy dose of skepticism in what it is that we are hearing in our world. Again, this is not a call to question everything. But rather for John, it's a call for the believers to be on guard with what you are hearing to make sure that what it is that you are hearing aligns with the word of God. Now, many would ask at this point, why was the skepticism so important for John? Why was this skepticism so important for the local church? Well, John answers that when he states, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, John is now telling us that there are teachers, and and, and not the teachers who make a minor mistake here or there, but rather there are teachers who are committing spiritual heresy knowingly. They are out in the world. They are now within our churches. They are now leaders in our churches, and ultimately they are now starting to lead believers astray. And so John is telling us to be on guard against them, to test their teaching according to the word of God, and then to not follow the teachers that are teaching a false gospel. You see, John knows that for the local church in his day, this was not a new problem that was specific for them. You see, when you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 13 and again in Deuteronomy chapter 18, we see a warning that comes for God's people to be on guard against the false prophets who will come and who have already come. 
In fact, it was Paul in the New Testament who wrote to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul warns the church at Corinth to pay close attention to what is being taught and to therefore not accept a gospel that is different from the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So by the time we come to our text today, in 1 John chapter 4, John now teaches us that these false prophets, these false teachers, will come with a very deceptive message, and that message may be very subtle, and so we need to be on our guard when we're hearing the word of God proclaimed. In other words, when we read John's words this morning, we can now no longer say as a body of believers, I wasn't warned or I didn't know that this would happen. You see, John has now not only warned the local church, but he has warned us today. But he is not the only one. You see, when you go back and look at Matthew chapter 7 and Mark chapter 13, it was Jesus Christ who warned us that false teachers would come in among us. Look over to Acts chapter 20, and we see Paul again with the same warning that there are false teachers who will come to us, and they are now among us. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter himself warns the local church that there are false teachers who will come for us, and there are false teachers who are among us. Even Jude himself has warned us by this point in Jude 4 through 19. In other words, as believers in Christ, we are now with excuse so we are called to test the teaching and to not follow false teachers because you see here's a truth we need to learn today where there is truth like Corey pointed out capital T truth where there is truth you can bet on the fact that error and false teaching will be lurking somewhere in the background and so as believers we have to be on guard today this then leads us to step two of what John tells the local church in verses two and three He says that not only are we to deny the false teachers and be on guard against them, but we are to also now confess the true Jesus. Now, as we have already seen in this letter, John makes it plain that Christianity is ultimately rooted and grounded in the question, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Now, there are some who would argue that Jesus is just one option of many choices and was just a good teacher. However, for the Christian, for those of us who confess Christ today, we believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God and it's his gospel, which is the only true gospel by which we can be saved. In other words, for the believer in Christ today, we believe that Jesus is the only option for salvation. Now, coming back to our text, verses 2 and 3 actually aid what it is that John has already said in verse 1. So when we get into verse 2, John says, And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You see, John now puts this passage in a positive light as we confess that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, has come and that Jesus Christ will one day come again. But notice that John here is not simply talking about just words as a confession. 
Rather, what John is speaking of here is he's taking this whole thing one step further in the text by saying that this confession that we have before us should be one that is heartfelt. It should be one that is mind-engaging and one that we are fully committed to as believers in Christ, both heart and soul. In other words, the confession of Jesus Christ being Lord is the confession that Christianity stands or falls upon. And so John tells us that if there, is, if there is no glorifying of Jesus as God incarnate, that there is no spirit of God present in what it is that is being taught. I want you to think about that statement for a moment because here's what's amazing to me to think about. That when you go back and you read the Gospel of Mark, which, oh, by the way, we did a whole study through, So shameless plug, go back and listen to those messages. But when you go back and listen to the gospel of Mark, you will notice that even the demons, when they encounter Jesus Christ, they recognize the deity of Jesus and they recognize why he came. That's why many of them say to Jesus, have you come, O son of man? to destroy us. They already knew. And yet at the same time, when we again look at the gospel of Mark and these encounters, this news should also be tragic for us as well. Because you see, the demons have a better theology of Jesus Christ than some members and leaders in the local church. That's what would lead James to write in James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Some of our translations say, you believe that God is one, good. Good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder. So what does it say about modern Christianity when we realize that demons have a better understanding of Jesus Christ than those who are members of the local church. I mean, it's no wonder why people don't want to come to our churches. It's no wonder why people don't want to come to faith. Because we don't even know how to explain Jesus Christ to them. Because we are being led astray by our world. We go from there in the verse 3, and here we get the negative or the antithesis of what is in verse 2. John now says that if we deny the the truth of the incarnation of the Son of God, then we can know two things. One, you are not of God, nor do you know the Word of God. And two, you are of the Antichrist. Now again, these are hard words to read, but we have to understand that like today, the church in John's day was plagued with false teachers who refused to believe the truth about God. In fact, in John's day, there were some who believed that Jesus was simply a ghost or a phantom who only appeared to be human, that he wasn't even real. There were some who believed that Jesus was empowered at his baptism, and then that power left him at the crucifixion, and therefore Jesus Christ was never a deity. He was just a man. Either way, both deny the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Neither of them deny, or neither of them acknowledge uh, the deity of Jesus Christ, nor do they fully acknowledge both the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And sadly, these are the same arguments that we are hearing today. In fact, I love what I've read in several of the commentaries this week. You can honestly tell what someone believes about Jesus 
when you hear them talk of Jesus. And the reality is what we believe about Jesus can and will have enormous consequences for all of us. In fact, one scholar put it this way. He says, tell me what you think about Jesus and I will tell you the rest of your theology. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is when it comes to Jesus Christ, do we truly believe in the true Jesus? Do we confess who the true Jesus is. When we listen to teaching, are we simply listening for teaching that tickles our ears or do we listen to a teaching that confesses who the true Christ is? You see, as people of God today, we should be able to join with Peter and the other apostles in Matthew 16, 16 when they confess to the Lord that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would confess the true Jesus today. John moves from there into verse 4, and we get our third step in testing the teaching. He has told us to not follow the false teachers. He has said to us to confess the true Christ. But then notice step 3, he says this. He says, trust our great God. You see, just like in John's day, we now live in a world system that daily attacks believers in Christ. And oh, by the way, this is, this is just scratching the surface of persecution. This isn't, this doesn't even come close to what our brothers and sisters across the world are experiencing right now for being believers. But you see, in our country today, daily there are false teachers who seek to mislead believers. Daily there are faulty worldviews that attempt to confuse us in what it is that we should believe and what it is that we should do. Even within our own hearts and within our own minds, sinfulness within ourselves seeks to enslave us to our own sin. This is what would ultimately lead John to say, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so John in this moment reminds us that in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the false teachings, in the midst of hearing that Jesus is not really the son of God, in the midst of hearing that there are multiple ways to get to the goodness of heaven, he reminds us of who we are in Christ. Better yet, he reminds us of who it is that now stands with us. You see, we have a champion. We now have a source of power. And so in this passage, John gives us a word of mass, a word of affirmation. And he says that since we are of God and it is God who has overcome the world, then we too can and will overcome the world by the grace of God. So here's the question. Is our enemy strong? Yes. Don't underestimate the enemy. But here's the reality. Our enemy may be strong, but God is infinitely stronger. God is infinitely smarter. God is infinitely greater, both now and forever. You see, we can trust God because when we call upon him as Lord, it is the spirit of God who then takes up residence within us and then will be our guide. And then the assurance will come of who we now are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, that's the joy of who we are as believers. 
You see, the joy of confessing and the joy of trusting our great God is that we fight a spiritual war now where in confidence we can declare today that victory is already ours because victory is found in the name of Jesus. So as we listen to the Word, as we hear the teachings of others, let us continue to test the teaching. And when the teaching is wrong, when we call into question the teaching and all of a sudden people begin to refute us because they don't like what the Word of God says, then we can rest in knowing that our great God can and will overcome the evil of this world and the evil that is found in false teachers. You see, when I think about John's point here, I love how it parallels what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11. You see, Jeremiah found himself on the top of a mountain. He found himself prophesying words of, of criticism from God to the people. And false prophets had come and said that Jeremiah was not a prophet of God. They had come and said everything that Jeremiah was saying was wrong and ultimately we should ridicule Jeremiah, mock Jeremiah, ultimately have Jeremiah killed. And then we see Jeremiah on this mountaintop looking down at the people hurling insults up at him, even people that he once called his friends. And then Jeremiah in the midst of his prayers in chapter 20 verse 11 says this, he says, but the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Now, I love the words that are used right there in the ESV. You see, we don't just have a champion. We have the champion, and he is on our side. So in the midst of dealing with false teaching that this world offers us, we can rest in knowing that God is with us. We can rest in knowing that God abides in us, and therefore we can rest in knowing that we can trust him in all things because he stands with us. This should lead us to ask ourselves, in a moment of hearing false teaching, do we trust Jesus Christ or do we trust in ourselves? When hearing false teaching, do we trust his word or do we allow ourselves to fall into what the popular teaching is of the day? My prayer is for all of us as believers that we would remain close to the word and that we would continue to trust God. We move from here into verses 5 and 6, and we get into our final step, where John now tells the local church to not only stay away from the false teachers, to not only confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the true Christ, not only does he say to trust our great God with what may come, but then notice what he says. Verse four, opposite of verse, or step four, opposite of, of step one, verses five and six, he says, listen to biblical teachers. Now we may be thinking at this point, well, clearly, John, that's what we ought to do. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you'd be amazed at how often people, well-meaning people, turn away from the truth. And as Paul tells Timothy, they turn aside to what their itching ears want to hear. 
You see, John in in these verses now brings this section to a close with a simple and a very clear statement. He directs the believers to the exact place that we should go and the types of teachers that we should listen to. Now notice here in these verses that John now draws a direct contrast between the evils of this world and those who are from God. John starts first with those who are from the devil's domain. He says in verse 5 that that they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Now John is saying that as Christians, we should not be surprised when lost people think, speak, and listen like lost people. You see, here's the truth. When we are enslaved to the world, we cannot help but listen to those who speak our own language. So then John goes from there in verse 6, and he states that those who know God through Jesus Christ will ultimately listen to those who were with God. In fact, this mirrors what John says in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 47, when Jesus says, and whoever is of God hears the words of God. So Jesus, as affirmed by John here in 1 John 4, teaches us that there can now be no Jesus plus or Bible plus theology for those who know God. It is simply Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It is either the Word of God or it is not. John also tells us that not only can there be no Jesus plus or Bible plus, but there can now be no Jesus minus or Bible minus theology either. In other words, you cannot pick and choose what it is about what what you believe in the Word of God. None of us sit in a position of biblical authority where we can take a book of the Bible and rip it out and say, this doesn't apply to me, or say that I feel convicted by this one, so I'm going to tear it out. Now, many of you may think I'm joking, but you would be amazed at the amount of people, at the amount of leaders who come before us as as, as pastors and as colleagues, and they have literally marked passages out of their Bible because they think they are irrelevant. In fact, you only need to look as far as your digital platform. Many of us who have digital Bibles on a digital platform, pay attention and notice how the platform is beginning to change based upon the standard of the word, the world. You see, as believers today, We need to ask ourselves, how do we know that what we are listening to is good and right? How do we know that who we are listening to is preaching the word of God? Because the reality is today more than ever, man, we got podcasts for every pastor. It's unbelievable. I'm amazed at the amount of guys I can listen to. I'm amazed that I can listen to guys now who are friends of mine from seminary. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when I was in seminary with them in preaching lab, some of them were pretty bad at preaching. They've gotten really good. Like, I've had to call and affirm a few of my brothers and go, hey, man, I didn't know if you were going to make it through seminary, but now you are rocking the word of God. Praise be to God. I won't tell you what they said to me, but it was along the same lines. Except they tell me I still have work I need to do. That's fair. 
But what's interesting to me is, as I'm thinking about this passage, many biblical scholars would agree upon this. When it comes to how we know what it is that we're hearing is good and right and of the Lord, this is what they say. They say preaching and teaching that takes the word of God, that then explains the word of God in its context and ultimately applies the word of God to our lives is the kind of preaching and teaching that we should be listening to. In other words, this type of preaching and teaching is called expositional preaching. You see, when we listen to the Word of God expositionally preached and taught, then we are hearing right teaching, and we are hearing the very voice of God as it is spoken through the Word of God. And so coming back to our text, John now says, and by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now some at this point would ask, what is John talking about when we hear the word, or hear the phrase, the spirit of error? And the answer is found in the phrase itself. You see, when John speaks of the spirit of error, he means those who wander away from the truth. And so let me just unpack this for a moment. You see, within our churches today, there are false teachers, and there are those who follow false teachers, and these false teachers will hang around the church, and they will ultimately hang around capital T truth for a while, but eventually they are going to wander away. When the Bible says that Jesus is God, they will wander away and deny his eternal deity. When the Bible says that Jesus is the only Savior, they wander away and say that he is a Savior, but not the only one. When the Bible teaches that God will judge us all, they wander away and say, well, God is love, and eventually all will be saved because in the end, love wins. I want to tell you, there's some truth to what they are saying. You see, God will win because he's already won. But the sad reality is not all will be saved. There are not many paths up the same mountain that lead to God. And so as believers in Christ, as we are listening to people talk about the Word of God, as we're hearing the Word of God teach, as we listen to our podcast, we need to seek out and to stick with teachers who preach the Word of God and and not preach some other message. We need to seek them out as a part of testing the teaching. We need to affirm and approve that which comes from the Word of God. And the way we do this is by knowing the Word ourselves and staying close to the Word. Now, I love what Martin Luther says about this point. He says, it does no good to say, I will gladly confess Christ and his word in all articles except one or two, which my tyrannical masters will not tolerate. But he who denies Jesus Christ in one article or word has in this one article denied the same Christ who would be denied in all articles, for there is but one Christ in all his words, collectively and individually. You see, we need to recognize today that there is a battle raging for the hearts, the minds, and the souls of men and women all around us. This world seeks to steer people away from the truth that is found in the Word of God, and it seeks to infiltrate the church with a culture that is not of the word. And so as believers in Christ today, we need to not believe the false teachers. We need to confess the true Jesus. We need to trust God. And then for ourselves, we need to seek out biblical 
teachers. You see, our concern should always be that what we hear and what is being taught is good and right and is of the Lord according to His Word. And so as a community, as a faith family, as a, as a body of believers called to be together as one, we need to look to what it is that is being taught and to make sure that we always, always actively listen to the word being taught so that we can test the teaching. Let's pray together.